Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Ed, and I already told Matt that I'm going to break my sermon into two parts in anticipation that God was stirring, and I wanted us to make sure we could go through the morning relaxed in, in a calm pace. But um, one thing I do want to comment, you know, this break that we've given uh, Pastor Derek, it's as much for you, each one of you, and you out there on uh, line, um, because this is a, a, about a, a value that God uphold, upholds in each of our lives, and that is wherever there is division, whenever there is hostility, whenever there is enmity, something that you have against another in your own home. See, yeah, we need, you know, this thing as is, is a church we need to take care of, but each individual Husbands with wives, fathers with sons, in the work environment. Uh, This is the uh, grounds by which, if you're willing to do the work, that a transformation will occur if you do your work. See, now, I'm talking about just not the old sins. I'm talking about what does God want to do with you individually and us collectively? It takes courage because it demands looking, looking at the, rather than the speck in your brother's eye, the beam in your own. And so when we go through these days, certainly we're going to pray and and deal with the issue that's at hand, but it's much greater than that. And that's really what Ephesians is telling us, that Uh, As you know, I like the saying, begin with the end in mind. And Ephesians reminds us of that. And so whether we rejoice with the fields and we get excited about Tobias' dedication, whether we get excited about Ben and and going to have, and Christy and have another child, uh, we as a church family, we celebrate, but we also mourn with those who mourned. And we have this... uh, uh, kaleidoscope or or a collage of life activities that come together, that converge, that create often this um, different responses within us. And we got to navigate because our emotions can be depressed at one time, angry at another time, and just full of joy at another time. But we have to come back and realize how these converge. And ultimately, they come together because they're working towards a destination. Um, one other thing I want to say before we look at the, uh, just briefly this morning, at the specific passage that, uh, you know, I never thought I, I would say uh, in my years of ministry that now I'm the old guy on staff. Yeah, I, I never, never, I, I don't feel like I'm the old guy on staff. But what I want you to know, uh, remarkably, you know, that I'm not overwhelmed about the circumstances that are before us. Some of you may assume that, well, maybe Pastor Ed's going to pick up more more of this slide. What's great is the staff that we have, the competency. And, you know, the the biggest thing, and that includes Christy. By the way, Christy here, Christy Richard, Ben's wife, she's going on maternity leave. And I find that interesting how these things have converged. But Derek's going to take this and then uh, Christy. So we need you to be patient 
But the reason it's not overwhelming, I've seen how well this staff has come together and is willing to minister to a church family. What I especially appreciate, that they're not territorial. I mean, by territorial, I mean, well, I'm just worship pastor. Don't ask me to do anything outside my area. Uh, I appreciate their willingness to jump in there, whatever. I've been particularly uh, happy with how uh, congregational care and how they've come along some of our senior folks in, in our church family with such care and, and kindness. Um, I, the other day, Matt went way beyond the call of duty. He popped in my office and said, Ed, I'm going to uh, be running a cable and i got to crawl underneath the community center out there. He was going to run a cable for the school to, uh, I think, outfit a new computer. A willingness to do that. And I said, well, are you prepared for the ravenous skunks and possums that are down there? Oh, you haven't heard, have you, Matt? Well, he, I, I was joking him. He came back, though, because there was a, a pool of water that he didn't want to crawl through. So he, there were some limitations to his willingness but that's the staff that we have. And, and so, like I, I mentioned, a life often has this uh, torn between two uh, emotions or responses or, or circumstances that, that converge, may, may have a happy and the other a, a sad. But I try to uh, take a step back and remind myself to begin with the end in mind because it teaches me about today. It helps me to calibrate my response to life's circumstances that are in front of me today. You know, last week, due to a series of unexpected events that brought change to our plans in conducting the church family matters, I shared with you that that's not my natural inclination. I, I like a straight line. I like to know where I am and where I'm headed, and not this uh, unexpected twist and turns. They sometimes get, if you do, it will give me, I will immediately respond with, no way, a little bit of hostility. Just ask Connie. She's the spontaneous one, and hey, let's go to the beach today. Uh, can't. Okay, I've learned, again, sometimes with time, to take a step back. To take a step back. Life is kind of like a sea, and we encounter the winds and temperature change that comes, and the land formations and currents, and it causes all this turbulence. That's life. That's why we come together, because of that anchor point that God is God, despite what sometimes feels like chaos to us. So that we might navigate those waters by not panicking, by staying calm. Because God tells us that he's revealing the mystery of what the end is. Right now, life may feel like a storm to some of you with great turbulence, others joy. But it seems like there's this season with a new president, new administration in charge of Congress, new policies, virus. 
Some may feel life is a little bit out of control and turbulent because of the aging process and they see the decline in their body. Or some parents that are younger, their kids leaving home and they're facing empty nests. Or others' kids staying at home when they should or you would like for them to leave. For others, perhaps the turbulence comes, a change in your job or no job. It doesn't matter. Everything we uh, kind of celebrated up here uh, this morning, it's all converging and it's moving towards a destination. Allow the end to inform you how you ought to think and respond today. This is the entire message of the Bible from the the whole storyland of the Bible from Genesis to Revelations. Don't panic. This age is not the end. The end is out there. And really from an eternity perspective, there is no end. But I'm talking about what we consider this world, this earth. A new day is coming. That's what we see. Don't panic. Throughout the Bible, the teaching of Scripture, it's seen throughout the action through the lives of individuals and nations and circumstances. All of this unexpected uh, um, circumstances converge and come upon them, but they're told to stay steady. Keep your eye on your calling. Ephesians starts the same way. Because God wants to work mightily through the Ephesians. And it's not that they're not going to be challenged, much like us in our day and age. And so Paul reminds them about the end. Look at verses 9 and 10, Ephesians 1, 9 and 10. God has made known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose. We know far more now in our day and age with the Scriptures than they did, certainly in the Old Testament. We don't know all, but we know a great deal because He has chosen to reveal the mystery to us which He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. So in other words, the end's going to come about. You're in this age. The end is going to come about in the fullness of time. I, I like that terminology, the fullness of time. It reminded me, last weekend, uh, Connie decided we were going to make some cornbread. She was going to make some cornbread. And I got excited. And she put it in the oven. And I was excited. I was already excited. But now I'm starting to get hungry. Somebody laughed at you. Somebody may relate to this, you know, that um, you start to get a little impatient. And so, of course, I got to look. Is it ready? Uh, it doesn't seem to be ready quite yet. I, I go back, look again. Hey, Connie, is it ready? You know what she tells me? <sighs> Man, testing my, it has to be golden first. It looks golden to me. She said, put five more minutes on it. It's not the fullness of time. It, it, I think it's time. My impatience wants it to be the time, but it's not the time. She knows. 
Five minutes later, ah, now is it time? Should, should I use the toothpick or the fork trick? You know, you stick it in and see if it's uh, still gooey in, in the middle. And she said, no, I can tell it's still not time. On the outside it was done, not on the inside. Premature. It wasn't the fullness of time. You know, God's time is perfect. Our time demands premature results. I like throughout the life of Christ, uh, there were forces trying to get Christ to um, uh, um, uh, reveal himself. You know, doing a miracle, like uh, turning the water to wine uh, by his mother, and repeatedly, even the disciples at time, he wanted to manifest himself, that he is God. And he would say, my time has not come yet. My time has not come yet. So, at the fullness of time, this is the end. He's going to unite all things. There's going to come a day when all things will be united to him in heaven and earth. In this age, right now, we experience division and separation, fracturing, hostility, People and relationships are splintered, and even creation groans because of this division. Ephesians 1.29 kind of rehearses it and makes us aware where it tells us, Jesus Christ is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the one to come. We are in this age. We live in this age. It tells us there's an age to come. There's an age to come. When whether it's rejoicing and we get glimpses of something being united, like right now at the beginning stage of raising Tobias of the young and innocent and so moldable, uh, uh, but even in that rebellious teenager who is so angry, they run away and they haven't seen mom and dad for four years, there's going to be... There's going to be an age where they're united in Christ. If they're in Christ, the opportunity is there. That's why we're called to this ministry of reconciliation, of, of uniting where there's hostility, because what we will find next Sunday as a church, we are the embodiment of God himself. And God is looking to reconcile the world and humanity. And we reflect that individually by each one doing 
their own work wherever a seed of hostility or judgmental blaming others rather than just taking care of what God has put. The age to come will be different. It's not here or now. We're still in this age where we experience division, brokenness, separation, and fracture. There have been human experiments to bring about unity in this age. What we call government. Some with different kind of successes. Democracy, monarchy, dictatorship, theocracy, totalitarianism, republic, anarchy. As great as the United States is, this season also shows us it's imperfect. There is only one system that will work. Certainly keep trying. But there's only one system that will work, and that is a perfect king who is perfectly sovereign and perfectly good, and people who are willing and delight in subjecting themselves to his kingship. In that, we discover that we are not slaves to the king, but because he is sovereign and good, we are actually free to find ourselves. It's not slavery, it's freeing. Our bowing to God will not be premeditated, obligated event but it will be lives that are lived as an expression of worship because of our delight and joy in God. Our fullness and fruitfulness is found in God. We worship and bow to the perfect king, not because of what we're going to get in return, not because then life may go the way I want it to, I will get what I want, that uh, the other person will find out it's their fault. We will worship and bow down to God, not for what we get in return, but only because He is perfect. He is a perfect King, and He's sovereign, and He's good. The question is now, will you submit to His kingship today and be part of His kingdom Okay, uh, we live in this age. We're waiting for the age to come, Ed. Come where everything and all those who submit to God as revealed in Jesus Christ will experience this unity. But Ed, that's that age. We live in this age. We're living in this age where things are fractured and divided. So what's God doing now? What is God doing now that is actually moving the storyline of history towards that age when we will be united? That's what we'll discover next week. I didn't even get to the first point. That was just the introduction. And actually, you can dig for yourself what, what you might mind out just from Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. What is God doing today that is bringing about? He wants, now don't, uh, and I'm going to close here so we can, 
conclude with, with worship. But when I say this, the diligence of the church today impacts the movement towards that age to come. And so we can't just sit on our hands and not uh, do the hard work of reconciliation, of trying to be the expression, the, the, the embodiment of God himself by way things that are broken and divided and hostile towards each other come together. Not in perfect unity, because we're humans. That's why we need a perfect king but to be growing towards an expression of the united relationships that God intends. And God is working, some may be more into, behind the scenes, I could say, to bring that about. That's what we'll look at next week. And, and I think it's, uh, we have our annual meeting, so I take it from God that he's brought all this together. Uh, um, you, you know, I would just leave you really with, with the first point, and I won't expound it from Scripture, and that is God is in control. You, you, you listen to all the election rhetoric, what's going to happen, all the hostility and tension. You listen to the COVID and the death numbers, and it breaks our heart. Whatever it is, whatever it is, and no matter how dismayed, what the scriptures tell us, that God is in control. Father, God, May we come away really encouraged. You know, we get so caught up with, with what's directly in front of us, and understandably so, because uh, things that are broken, things that are hostile, things that are divided, uh, uh, breaks our heart, God. But at the same time, you teach us, and as Paul prays for the Ephesians, that they would have hope. And that hope is based upon two things. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, that you have the power to bring about that age where everything will be united. You have the power, but then Christ ascended and sits at the right hand of God. That you have the authority And you are in control today. So God, when we get out of sorts, when our emotions start to skew our thinking, may we take a step back and remember that you are in control and that you are working towards uniting all things once again. And we invite you, Lord, to do that work in the present, in the hearts of each individual.
In Christ's name, amen.